chaplet of divine mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and the hour of death. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God. He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In atonement for our sins and those of the whole world, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, 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 for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for 
the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. 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 Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. 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 Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah.
the sake of his sorrowful passion. For 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 the sake of his sorrowful passion. Holy God, holy mighty one, holy immortal one, have mercy on us and on the whole holy God holy mighty one holy immortal one have mercy on us and possible to make your cup of coffee an even greater joy coffee of the cross brings you great coffee for a great cause we roast on mondays and ship on wednesdays direct to you from nicaragua all proceeds go to fund the mountain of peace shrine inspired by saint john paul ii where thousands of people come on pilgrimage to pray for peace and consecrate themselves to our lady coffee of the cross is a non-profit project of the diocese of matagalpa with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Fill your cup with Coffee of the Cross, knowing that you are employing families and conserving a natural treasure, the Mountain of Peace Shrine. Please visit coffeeofthecross.com for more information and to purchase your coffee today. That website again is coffeeofthecross.com. It's time now for the KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Each week at this time, we present interviews on topics pertinent to Catholics in North Texas. And now, here is this week's Interview of the Week. 
Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network uh, across North Texas. My name is Dave Palmer, and Thistle is running our board today, and she has a friend in the uh, control room with her. <laughs> and uh, good to have you with us. We like to cover uh, topics that uh, kind of the intersection of our Catholic faith and our life here in North Texas, and it's really eclectic, and we talk about a lot of fun things. And, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy doing is helping young people uh, achieve their goal, whether it be net ministries or in this case, focus missionary ministry. Um, because when somebody decides to do work in, in ministry as a young person, they oftentimes have to raise money in order to do it. And I want to introduce you during this uh, segment to Mary Brockenbush, who recently emailed me and said that she is a recent graduate of the University of North Texas in Denton. And she grew up at St. Maria Gretti Parish in Arlington, and she has decided to devote at least a year of her life to be a campus missionary for FOCUS, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And she's been assigned to Baylor University in Waco. And so that's the background. She has a degree, by the way, in mathematical education. I think that's right. Graduated May of uh, 2020. I hope I got all that right. Mary, good to have you with us. Uh, Thanks for joining us for the program. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me, Dave. All right. So, uh, wh- why did you choose math, mathematical education? Do you think you may teach one day? Is that is that your goal eventually? Yeah, um, I love education. I come from a, a family of a lot of teachers. It's a bit of a joke that most people in our family are either accountants or teachers. So I kind of married the two and <laughs> decided to do math education. <laughs> Keep everybody happy, right? Uh, yeah. All right, so tell us about your story. You graduated this year, and of course, this has been a, a wacky year in many ways from uh, UNT. And then what was the decision process that you went through to decide that you wanted to devote some time to be a focused missionary? Yeah, um, you know, it was it was kind of tough for me making the choice uh, because I, like I said, I come from a long family of teachers. And I love education, and so it was tough for me to decide to move away from being a teacher. But, um, yeah, I struggled with it a bit this year, but luckily I have some wonderful friends who pushed me to apply um, to be a focus missionary. I have been involved with focus throughout uh, the latter half of my college years. I had a bit of a reversion during college and a large part of that had to do with focus. So I was very uh, enamored with the work that they were doing and saw the beauty and the fruit of it. Um, I was just a little scared of committing to it myself as a full-time career. But over the course of my senior year in the fall, I went through the application process and I even went and did an in-person interview during one of Focus's interview weekends I was still very, very unsure, and then I was staffing an awakening retreat at UNT that had had a really big impact on my faith in the previous year, and looking out at all the students there and seeing the impact you can make in just one weekend just really solidified my decision that this is where the Lord was calling me to be, to reach out to students um, and help them grow in their faith in a very crucial time in their lives. Yeah, you've kind of described the the mission of focus, but let's uh, let me ask you that for people who are not familiar with it. I I've met Curtis Martin. I know he he started it uh, probably decades ago, right? 
Um, and, and what, what is, what is, is a focused missionary? Um, you know, the kind of the mission and purpose and how you guys go about your day to day activities on college campuses. Yeah. So focus stands for fellowship of Catholic university students. And it is a Catholic nonprofit that sends out full time missionaries to college campuses to bring the gospel and the Catholic faith to college students. Um, our founder, Curtis Martin, you mentioned him. He saw really the need for formation at college campuses, and he looked out and realized all the spiritually poor people we have in our own country. So I know when I first heard of mission, like focused missionaries, I was like, wait, missionaries go to different countries. <laughs> but um, Curtis was realized that like we needed to be serving the people here in our own country because there's so many people who don't actually know the gospel or know the faith. Um, so we, as missionaries, go out as in teams of men and women. Usually it's a team of four, two men, two women, um, to college campuses, and we work off the basis of the Great Commission, which is a, a scripture in the Gospel of Matthew that says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so we want to go to college campuses and reach out to college students to make them truly disciples of Christ, people who want to go deeper in their relationship with the Lord and spread it to other people and tell other people about it. Um, yeah, so we do that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's all right. You can, you can continue. I, I was um, just going to talk about how this is such a, an important time period in somebody's life, these college years from, you know, 18 to 22 or you know maybe beyond that, where a lot of life decisions are being made and uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, fall away from the faith. So you're really catching people at a very critical time, aren't you? Yeah, because they college is the time when they first get to make decisions for themselves. Um, and yeah, that 18 to 23 is a very crucial time. Statistically, I want to say it is about 80% of people who leave the faith do so between the ages of 18 and 23. Yeah. Um, so Focus wants to kind of target that age group and help them actually strengthen their faith rather than fall away during that time. So that they can go out and as adults, as new professionals, as future leaders and future parents, um, strong in their faith and able to understand their relationship with the Lord. Mary Brockenbush is my guest. Uh, she's a May 2020 graduate of the University of North Texas in Denton, and she has decided to be a focus missionary, and she's been assigned to Baylor University, as I mentioned a moment ago. The The website for focus is focus.org, and in a moment we'll talk to Mary about how you, our listeners, can support her because she has to raise funds, and of course she'll appreciate prayer support as well once she gets started um, on her mission in the fall, which I, and I think she's already begun some of the training. Mary, you mentioned the impact that focus had on you while you were a student at UNT and how you're a revert in a sense. Can you tell more specifically what was it that uh, that how they helped you in your faith walk as a college student? Yeah, so focus honestly was there every step of the way for me when I returned back to my faith. I um, had been away from my faith for several years. By the time I was a junior in college, um, I had struggled with it a lot, and I finally had that hole in my heart that we all have. And I finally was just like, I guess I should go back to church again. Maybe that'll work. Um, 
And that day that I decided to go back to Mass for the first time was actually the day that our focus missionaries at UNT stood up after Mass and said that they were starting small group Bible studies and that they were going to have sign-ups outside. And so I was just like, well, I guess I should go ahead and jump in wholeheartedly and give this a fair shot. Um, so I signed up for a small group Bible study. And it really was powerful for me for the first time to have a group of women in that small group who I could ask faith questions to and not feel self-conscious. And we could discuss scripture and discuss different things that we believed or had struggled with understanding before and just really a group of women to walk with and who pushed me to grow in my faith. Um, and then after going on awakening retreat at UNT, I decided to go to seek, which is a huge conference that focus puts on for college students um, and students from all over the world uh, get to go to. I think SEEK 2019 was the year that I went for the first time, and we had almost 18,000 students there. Yeah, so That focus conference had a big impact on me in seeing that it's not just me trying to learn more. It's not just the girls in my small group trying to learn more. There are students, young people my age, all across the world trying to grow in their relationship with the Lord and trying to tell other people. So focus really helped equip me to understand my faith better, and lead others. Um, one of the main pillars of focus is that discipleship relationship. So one of the missionaries kind of called me into discipleship to be a leader for other girls, to start my own Bible study, and to help others grow in their faith. And that um, really had a large impact on me and made a big impact on me deciding to be a missionary. Yeah. You, I mentioned a couple of times you've been assigned to Baylor. Do they normally assign based on proximity, or could you have just as well been sent to the University of Buffalo or <laughs> UCLA? <laughs> uh, and I guess a, a second a secondary question is, you know, what would do, what, what, what are you planning or, uh, you know, what, what, what are you expecting to do there or what, what's the, the game plan? Yeah. So, Typically, they like to keep people in the same area they're from, but there are no guarantees. I have friends who are placed in Maryland. I have friends that were placed in Florida, um, all across the country. So it yeah. could have been any – I just really lucked out that it was close by, and I don't have to be too far from my family uh, while I work at Baylor. Uh, it's actually funny because my mom is a Baylor alumni, mm. so it had a family connection there too. So when we get out to Baylor – we are going to be doing a lot of outreach to students. Of course, this is a year where we're all going to be kind of playing it by ear and kind of adjusting to the new normal yeah. that is sitting in in the midst of COVID-19. Uh, but we're going to be doing a lot of student outreach, establishing um, Bible studies. I'll be a new missionary there, so I'll be really getting to know the community and getting to know the students there and kind of relying on the missionary that um, does know the community better. Um, but we will be leading small group Bible studies and meeting with students, um, leading students in discipleship who want to go out and lead others in their faith. And it can look different campus to campus. Yeah. Um, so I'll definitely getting to know what is the culture like at Baylor and what are sort of the events that they like to do. 
um, a lot of it is just being there for the students. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking that uh, uh, Baylor is a Baptist university, you know, founded by by Baptists, mm-hmm. and uh, here you are in is the is the Catholics, and is the is the focus <laughs> no no pun intended, but is the focus on Catholics? I mean, you're not so much proselytizing, or we're going to make all those Baptists Catholic, or you know, you're I, I think you're just focusing on the Catholics themselves is work enough. Uh, so how do you kind of uh, gather the flock, so to speak, or and also how do you work with, you know, maybe the Newman Society or some other groups that may already be present on the university? Yeah, so many focus teams work in tandem with uh, or work in conjunction at times with the Catholic centers there on campus. It kind of, once again, it varies a bit campus to campus, but I know at Baylor we do some work with the Catholic center there. Um, and then, like you said, yeah, it's a, it's a Baptist university and now i would primarily call it maybe a protestant university as there are many states represented there um but we want to obviously be feeding the catholic community there and helping the students grow in their faith in the catholic church but that's not to say that they we don't outreach to other people who might be interested we're not going there uh to necessary tell everyone there like you're doing it wrong or anything like that you know we want to be um a supportive presence to those who may be looking for truth and looking to the catholic faith for truth yeah um, do, do you have to uh, a lot of our out- oh i'm sorry go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> um yeah i was just saying a lot of our outreach actually does lie in the hands of those student disciples and them kind of reaching out to friends in their classes or in their organizations, because we, since we're missionaries and not students, there's a lot of places we can't go. So the students play a, a very large part in the outreach. Yeah. I um, Mary Brockenbush is my guest, by the way. We're down to our last five minutes. The time goes by so fast. Uh, she has been assigned to, uh, as a campus missionary with Focus at Baylor University in Waco, and uh, there, the website for Focus is focus.org, and uh, we're going to talk about how you can support her financially and also prayerfully as well. Uh, just one other question before we get to that, Mary. I'm just curious what kind of prerequisites a Focus missionary has, because obviously if you're heterodox and you're you know, you're a heretic, <laughs> which you're not, I know. But, you know, they don't want people going and leading people astray. So how, is there any kind of like prerequisites or you got to know your faith or you got to take an apologetics course or how do they know that you're qualified to do this or all the other focused missionaries? Yeah, um, they definitely take it very seriously who they send out because, like you said, we don't want people being sent out and then leading people astray um, or spreading misinformation. So there, in the application process, it kind of checks and asks you about the different doctrines of the faith and ensuring that I agree with the doctrines of the faith, that I have received all my sacraments, um, and that I am someone who is, like, regularly receiving the sacraments, that yeah. I'm, like, regularly receiving the confession and things like that. Um, right. And then it's a very... It's a bit of a lengthy uh, application and interview process. I think I did an application, and then I did a video interview, and then I got asked to go to a full interview weekend yeah. where you do multiple interviews over everything. Um, they they really want to make sure that they have well-balanced, well-informed uh, people going out to lead others. And then they make sure to do a background check and um, a psych eval, actually, to make sure that we are in a good state yeah. to be sent 
Right, right. Well, that's interesting. Well, let's get to the funding part. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, you have to raise your own funds to do this. How much money do you have to raise? Where are you? And how can our listeners help? So uh, we raise monthly support to be able to best budget for our living expenses and our ministry needs. We are set with the goal of raising $3,260 a month, so $3,260 is our magic number. And right now I am about 60% of my way funded, and I have um, a few more weeks to be able to get that done and we do that by reaching out to people we know from church, people we know from school, family members, friends, um, really anyone you might know to share the mission of focus, share what we want to do, and invite them to join a monthly support team. And people join at many different levels, but all this goes towards being able to reach college students and allow us to be able to best proclaim the gospel um, without having to worry about second jobs or um, wondering where our next, where our rent is going to come from, you know, we want to be able to go out uh, with a surety in our finances. Yes, yes, certainly. You don't want to have to worry about that. All right, so thirty-two hundred and sixty a month, and you said I think you said you're about sixty percent of the on the way. And so, if somebody is like, yeah, I want to help her, I want to, you know, support her, or get her to that, you know, to that hundred uh, percent, what should they do, or how can they do so? Um, well, they can go to the Focus website, and on the Focus website, you can click on Find a Missionary, and you can look up me, Mary Brockenbush, and there will be a button that will say Support Mary. And you can click on that and set up a sustaining gift of whatever amount is comfortable for them and works with their other charitable giving. And um, and you can also reach out to me. And if you want to learn more about what I'll be doing and who I am, you can also reach out to me. And I would love to share with people more of what I'll be doing with Focus. Okay. And is this a year-to-year thing? I, I know I've interviewed a lot of net missionaries, and they typically mm-hmm. kind of cap it at two years. Uh, is it kind of year, and then next year you decide you may want to do it again? Or uh, is this something you might be doing long-term or, or, or what? So focus missionaries, we go in with an initial commitment of two years. Okay. Now, um, that's not necessarily a contract where we have to stay the full two years, but we go in and verbally commit that we will stay where we are for two years. And from there, there's there's opportunities to either stay or move to a different um, branch of focus outreach. Uh, I could become a team director. I might go into admin side, or I might leave staff. Um, there's many things the future might hold, but right now I am entering into serving Baylor for two years. Yeah, and I'm on this page now, and I had no idea how many missionaries there are. I mean, there's a, I mean, it looks like hundreds. Uh, and uh, so everybody go to that website, focus.org, and search for Mary Brockenbush, B-R-O-C-K-E-N-B-U-S-H. Did I get that right? Uh, and, uh, help her out and help her get to, uh, the 100%. Uh, Mary, is there anything else? We got, we've run out of time, but anything else you want to tell our listeners before we say goodbye to you? Um, to be praying for us too, you know, uh, I'm reaching out for financial support right now, but goodness knows, focus, uh, and college students need our prayers right now. Um, in such a time like this, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of 
fear, and people are just are in need of faith and hope right now. So I would say be praying for us missionaries and yeah. for the college students who are reaching out to. Yeah, I mean, we kind of alluded to the whole COVID thing, and we didn't talk about that a lot, but that's, you know, it's hard enough doing what you're doing, but then with all the social distancing and the the, the, the different, mm-hmm. who knows what's the uncertainty, it's, it's going to make it uh, for an interesting year. But, uh, Mary, thanks so much. I appreciate you taking time with us. Again, Mary Brockenbush is a can- campus missionary at uh, Baylor University this fall and if you want to support her go to focus.org and just do a search for her and you can see information on her and you can uh, support her financially and also prayerfully as well. Mary, great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Alright, this has been the interview of the week here on KTH 910 AM. Thanks to Sissel and thank you for listening and uh, if you want to be like Mary and say, hey, I got an idea for your next uh, interview of the week. We're always searching for good ideas. We like to highlight the good things that are going on here in North Texas. You can email me directly, Palmer at grnonline.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you. The best things in life are worth waiting for, and that is what makes the Young Catholic Professionals National Conference Work of Our Hands Conference on St. Joseph that much better. Due to COVID-19, the conference will not take place in the fall, but has been rescheduled and will take place April 30th through May 2nd, 2021 at the Hilton Executive Lakes Conference Center in Grapevine. Keynote speakers include undercover boss Dina Dwyer Owens and Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus in The Chosen. For more information and to register, visit ycpconference.org. Are you looking for a place to donate your gently used clothing to but are unable to drop them off at one of our locations? Worry not. The St. Vincent de Paul Thrift Store can help. We have over 40 donation bins available throughout the DFW Metroplex. Find one near you today by visiting our website and for a complete list of acceptable items at svdpdallas.org slash shop. That's svdpdallas.org slash shop. And remember, whether you are shopping or donating, you are giving at the St. Vincent de Paul Thrift Stores. Thanks for tuning in to the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. My name is Dave Palmer, Executive Director here, host of this program. Diane Xavier is running the board, and we are so grateful for you tuning in and listening. And I will say, you know, we had our share uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was very successful, and we're so thankful uh, when you support the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we also are thankful when you support other Great apostolates. And in fact, at the end of this interview, uh, our guest is going to, you know, make a request that you support his group because they are doing really, really good work here in the state of Texas. Uh, he's a familiar guest. I've spoken to him many times. Jonathan Sines, president, founder of Texas Values. And his website is txvalues.org. So it's texasvalues.org. And they basically respond to all the threats of uh, religious liberty, and they support family values, uh, Judeo-Christian values across the state of Texas. And he never has a slow day in his hands because there's so much going on. Uh, Jonathan Sines, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. We for- forgot to mention I helped homeschool six kids earlier this school year, too, so... I caught a little bit of a break when uh, the school term ended, but that's okay. Six kids? You don't have six kids, do you? Who who were the six kids? Well, I mean, I you know, look, um, my family has just been growing, and so uh, yeah. I, I've been excited about that. And uh, and you know, look, I mean, as as someone who's Catholic and pro life, um, I've always been about the more the merrier. Yeah. And so and and that look that connects to the issues that we do. Um, you know, in the work we do for faith, family, and freedom, obviously we do pro-life work, um, we do religious liberty work, we do marriage and family work, and so I got married last year, 
and my uh, family grew from three to six, oh. and, uh, <laughs> and three of the kids have been homeschooled. And so I, I, you know, my wife's been homeschooling for years. And yeah. so I'm now, you know, learning a lot more about these issues. But in, in my kids have been going to Catholic school, but in, or, you know, we're at home with all the coronavirus stuff. And so it's given me a lot of appreciation for work that I've done professionally for many years, but now being able to support with some of the work we do on the life issue, you know, protecting religious liberty as it relates to homeschool issues as well. And so, um, but the Supreme Court has been active and, and that's what's been keeping my life pretty active um, in some of the local government issues the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking of like rather than the Brady Bunch, the Science Bunch, because you've got the, the right. three and three. But uh, okay, let, let, yeah, it's interesting. pretty similar. <laughs> All right, so uh, the main topic, and you know, there's probably 20 different cases that we could talk about. There, there's never a, a dull moment in your life when you're fighting for liberty and freedom. Uh, but the Supreme Court, I think, kind of surprised most people. Uh, with a decision very recently, I think it's been in the last week, um, indicating that sex, as defined by Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, could also mean sexual orientation, gender identity. Wow, this is just rife with problems. And so before we get into this, what exactly this means, can you take us back to the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and tell us what was that about? Well, I mean, look, and that this is what's interesting um, um, about this case. You have to make sure the judiciary is performing their role and accurately. And so, you know, we have the legislative branch, we have the judicial branch, we have the executive branch. And so in this case, this was a U.S. Supreme Court decision case from last week where the Supreme Court decided to redefine the word sex as it was defined in 1964 or, or as it was known then. That's when the law was written. Mm-hmm. And so the court should be looking at what was meant then, not what people want to make it mean now. So people now um, that are advocates on LGBT and leftist issues, if you will, they want to redefine it to include sexual orientation and gender identity, people that have um, views as far as themselves being transgender. And so we've seen these issues play out where biological men now want to play in women's sports. Um, they want to force employers to perform sex change operations with uh, the employer cost. And so that that's what's going to happen with a court ruling like this when you redefine sex. It's never been meant to understood to include things such as gender identity and sexual orientation, which can be very subjective. And so what the court did by redefining sex to mean gender identity and sexual orientation creates chaos. And we believe this type of rewrite of this 1964 Civil Rights Act um, it, it's been repeatedly rejected by Congress and the Texas legislature. So this was judicial overreach. There was no authority for the court to do it. And it was very striking because Judge Gorsuch, one of the newest um, Supreme Court members, um, led the opinion uh, along with uh, John Roberts. And so a lot's been written about that. But really, a lot of it is about the practical aspect of this, too. And so and we could see long-standing religious liberty protections for churches and religious nonprofits jeopardized by this decision. Yeah. <clears throat> Tell us about cuz you know these kind of cases are always brought about by a particular case. Was this the Harris Funeral Home case yeah. that brought this about? T- tell us about that. Yeah, the, I mean there was a th- collection of three cases that um w- was a part of this decision and one of them was a Harris Funeral Homes case. This is a case that we wrote an amicus brief in. We submitted a, a brief at the US Supreme Court, you know, in, in our work we do work in the courts, legislature and the media. And so the Harris Funeral Homes 
This was a, a case coming out of Michigan. The family had a dress code where men at the funeral service would wear certain um, they would wear a certain uniform. Women would wear a different uniform. That is protected in law. That's always been the basis of it. There's not been an issue with doing that. It was when and the the employee was aware of that, and so uh, the employee decided to transition from a male to a female. And that's when there was concerns because the employer um, had continued to be consistent about their policy, whereas this person wanted to change their personal life and then force the funeral home to adopt it. And they are the, the owners are very strong Christians, and so that was a, a, a big concern. And so, and that's what we see: people want to force businesses to do things a certain way. They want to use the government to punish these businesses if they don't. And um, and that's what played out in in that particular situation. And so we've seen it in other settings. Um, and it and it um, I don't think it's we don't have to just believe this is just going to happen in a private business. And so um, and, and a lot of these issues have come in in settings where you deal with the federal or local government. This was a private business, but we know there's been other lawsuits where it happened against. Uh, Catholic churches, other religious schools, and religious entities, and even people wanting to push churches to have to adopt some of these uh, new versions or subjective versions of how you define sex or sexual orientation. And so uh, this rewrite, though, of the 1964 Act is very concerning, um, in particular because Congress has taken up this issue before, and they've refused to adopt this type of change. The Texas legislature has been asked to make this type of change. They've refused to do it. And so you don't have any of the legislative bodies supporting this. And there's a lot of concern that one judge can flip things like this. Yeah, and it sets a horrible precedent too, doesn't it? Because it's really flying in the face of objective truth. And I'm just thinking about, you know, you take it to an extreme and somebody wants to transition into a dog or a 60-year-old wants to transition into a 40-year-old. I mean, it all sounds laughable, but this is what we're really dealing with is people changing objective truth, isn't it? I mean, that's scary. Well, and, and it's not just us that's concerned. I know the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops put out a statement um, with their concern about the outcome of this decision. Other religious notable folks have done um, have said things that, about their concern. But also one of the fellow justices on the court that some people kind of get into who's Republican and who's conservative on the court, but Justice Alito was very critical of Justice Gorsuch on this decision because of, of his view that this this was not the proper role of the judiciary to get involved in this way and to really rewrite and redefine what the word sex means. Now, the the case is supposed to be limited to Title VII, which is a federal uh, relates to federal statutes um, and in employment issues. But you know, you have a term like this if it's redefined in one area of federal law. You know, I, I you have to know that other people are going to try to push for it to be changed in other areas. Of federal law, um, and so we've seen these debates come up when it relates to things like housing and women's shelters, where women um, don't feel comfortable with biological men who say that their gender identity is actually a woman to stay in these women's shelters where women have been uh, battered. They're, you know, they can be, uh, you know, in a very difficult position, and their safety and privacy is very important. And there's been um, litigation here in the state of Texas where this issues come up. And so um, that's what you know really surrounds a lot of this. Um, now there is a Supreme Court decision that's coming up later, uh, before the end of June, that relates to some religious liberty issues that could impact on how some of this is interpreted. But a lot of people last week were really surprised by this, including us, and, and we had signed on to a brief um, opposing this rewrite of sex. 
uh, because we've seen people try to push these issues to the local level. As a matter of fact, today in, in the state of Texas, Mansfield ISD is taking up an issue on sexual orientation, and the city of Laredo is also taking up an issue on changing their laws on sexual to adopt issues related to sexual orientation and gender identity. And, and I imagine we'll see uh, an even bigger push by people that want to advance their political agenda on this issue. And this is Texas, and these are, you know, in the case of Mansfield, kind of small-town Texas, where you wouldn't expect this. Imagine if it's happening in Texas, what it's like in Massachusetts or California. Uh, it's just intolerable. Uh, Jonathan Sines is my guest. He's the president of Texas Values. TXValues.org is uh, his website, doing great work in regard to religious liberty and freedom and uh, faith issues. Um, Jonathan, from a, you, you mentioned how it's at least supposed to be rather limited as far as uh, Title VII, but from a practical standpoint, somebody running an organization like yours or our radio network, do, does this mean that if we have somebody working with us who comes in one day and says, I'd, I'd like to be no longer referred to as he, but I'm a she, and by law, we have to abide by that, or, or how? Uh, there's legitimate concerns. I mean, if you have more than 15 employees, you need to be on notice of how this court decision could be used against you, or people might try to use it and and to be subject to their own interpretation. Because then you have to deal with, oh, if it goes to court, you're not hearing from the Supreme Court first. I mean, remember, they take a very few amount of cases. You could have someone at the lower level say, oh, well, I'm going to interpret that the court meant this. And, um, and it could be very in close relation to what the Supreme Court did on this individual case. And so I think it's very possible you could see that. And, you know, we really think that uh, we're encouraging people, contact your members of Congress, your your state um, House and Senate members, and let them know that you're concerned about this decision. Um, like during the coronavirus, we got a lot of questions from churches and uh, nonprofit, religious nonprofit leaders trying to figure out some of these changes on the virus issue, and that's no different in here. So if people have questions about how to navigate some of these things, what they should be looking out for, we want them to email us or go to our website, txvalues.org. We'll be putting updates um, because it's very new. It's confusing to a lot of people, and there is legitimate reasons to be concerned. And there are people that are looking to push lawsuits or to push the government to make these changes and to really scare people um, who may not be prepared for these type of attacks. Um, and, and so we saw this after the marriage ruling in 2015, um, the folks that were pushing for that very quickly, not just being satisfied with how they could exercise that in their own life. They also wanted to punish elected officials. Um, you know, the, there have been increased attacks on churches that hold to biblical views about marriage, but also about male and female biologically. And so, um, and that could extend to religious nonprofits and possibly schools. And so, um, you know, there's a lot to be concerned about, but we're going to try to do our best to, to get a response from elected officials, but also walk alongside folks as they navigate this and try to give them good insight and guidance. Yeah. Uh, you know, every, every election, presidential election, the Supreme Court is a huge issue and candidates typically like President Trump you know, four years ago and again this year has said, I'm, you know, I'm going to put out a, a list and I will only choose from this list of people for my Supreme Court nominees. But it seems like on the conservative side, we get 
we kind of get disappointed a lot. You know, there are a lot of the appointees. I'm thinking of O'Connor and Souter and um, certainly Gorsuch in this case. And there's a, a whole lot of others that seem conservative, but it's almost like something happens to them when they get on the bench. I mean, do you, do you find this disappointing that some of these more conservative appointed, you know, Republican appointed judges turn out to not be as true conservative as perhaps we thought they were? Well, I'll tell you what, in a very, very important case, Gorsuch was no doubt a disappointment, and disappointment may be too light of a word. And so, um, and that's when it matters in decisions like this. The judges should stick to their role, and that's why Alito called out Gorsuch on this case. If he had stuck to his role, there's no reason this decision should come out this way. When you talk about redefining a word, that is the role of Congress, and Congress has been asked to look at this issue, and they have rejected it. They've never voted the House and the Senate together to, um, in a term to move a bill like this forward because it creates problems. It's hard to be consistent. It's hard to know how are you to know in advance what someone thinks their own gender identity is. Um, and so it's hard to have a consistent standard. So, yes, there's reason to be concerned and be very disappointed. And so we'll see what happens with Kavanaugh if he ends up being in some role in one of these cases that you can kind of get a better idea of where he is. And so I think it's very important who the candidate for presidency says he's going to put on the bench. Um, there's no question about that. And, and sometimes we're going to be disappointed, but that can't be, we can't let ourselves think that the, that the Supreme Court itself is the answer. Mm-hmm. We have got to be communicating with elected officials. And when someone gets it wrong, Congress needs to respond as they have done in other settings and say, we get to decide how laws are written, not the court. And so now we're going to respond to that. And we've seen some response from elected officials, but I think, um, you know, we're going to see more. And that might be a reason why people make a certain decision in their, you know, elections coming up away from them to be informed. And so we'll certainly do our our best to help. Um, but I definitely think in this case that um, it was a huge disappointment that Gorsuch ruled the way he did and, and led the opinion. And um, and it's created chaos. And, yeah. um, and I don't have the answers of what will happen forward, but we're going to be doing our best to try to equip people. Um, I think we'll see more from the courts and the Department of Justice and others on how they think this should be applied. Uh, but we're going to need to move quickly, and so that's what we're working on doing. We're communicating with our state elected officials um, at, at the state level, at the Senate and House level, at the executive level, um, letting them know what our concerns are and trying to help them prepare uh, for what could come from the other side. Yes. Hey, one other question, and then I want to give you a chance to let people know about what uh, you do and how they can help you. Uh, there are a couple more cases uh, that I know you're keeping a close eye on, Supreme Court-wise. One has to do with abortion. One has to do with Catholic schools. Can you briefly give our listeners uh, an update and maybe even a prediction, if you'd like, about how those yeah. are going to turn out? Absolutely. So the, the first case, and I'll focus a little bit more on the second one, the first case, uh, because that one deals a little bit more with Texas, um, but the first case is a U.S. Supreme Court case that deals with a, a concept called ministerial exception, and that's the ability of religious entities, particularly uh, churches, to make decisions um, as it relates to their churches and their beliefs and the role that the Supreme Court can have in that. And this, there's a, a case that's up right now that deals, um, that relates to, um, in one, uh, there are two cases that um, relates to a Catholic school. And so we're going to be watching how that um, comes out. And, and it, you know, it's some, a little bit to do with some of the facts, but a lot of it is really a legal principle in whether or not um, um, the churches, excuse me, in this case, uh, continue to rest 
and rely on um, the ability to decide how they run their church without the government um, being able to um, have a role in that. And so that could impact some other issues that a lot of us care about. The other case is um, comes out of Louisiana, but it deals with regulations put in um, place by the state of Louisiana for abortion clinics, particularly that the um, um, abortion facilities would have to have admitting privileges, the physicians would, and that's important because if something goes wrong in an abortion, we know it often does, um, they should be in a position to go very quickly to a facility where the woman can get immediate emergency care. And a lot of times that's not the case. These physicians don't have admitting privileges, and they can lose time, and women die. It's it's tragic. And so that's what that case is about, is saying, hey, you've got to have admitting privileges. There's got to be certain health and safety standards. We had a similar law like that in Texas. The Supreme Court struck it down. If this case goes better, now you've got um, different judges, it could be a really improvement for the health and safety in Texas, and it could make it uh, be in a position where um, the abortion industry finds it much more difficult. Well, they, um, they've got to have health and safety standards in place, and many of them are going to choose not to, to operate if they've got to do that. And so um, that could impact Texas because when a, a case comes out of Louisiana, it relates to what's called the Fifth Circuit. That's Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and this is a U.S. Supreme Court case. Could give us another opportunity to have this common sense law in Texas. We filed a brief in that case supporting um, what we call what we consider a life position in, in health and safety um, measures. These should be minimum standards that they should have at these type of abortion facilities. Uh, but the Supreme Court is going to decide by the end of June. That's how they do things. And so uh, it also coincides, as I was mentioning to you earlier, on our own deadline for the work that we do um, at the end of June and, and, um, and puts us in a position to do the nonprofit work that we do uh, by people that give um, choose to support us with tax-deductible donations. All right. You can do so at TXValues.org. Uh, that's TexasValues.org, but just abbreviate Texas, TXValues.org. Really, really great uh, uh, organization. Jonathan has been fighting and fighting and fighting for our liberties for many years, and uh, uh, we appreciate you and your whole staff down there. Congratulations on that growing family. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, well, look at that. I mean, and and you know, look, I'm a, uh, I have a life too, right? As far as you know, my family, I care about these values, and and I do them yeah. professionally, and I see them every day how they impact. I've got a growing family. We've got six kids. We've got a 14 year old, a 13 year old. Uh, Two twelve-year-olds and two ten-year-olds. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's very close to uh, the the Brady bunch, and and I'm blessed to be in a variety of you know um, roles as a father. But you know, it, it's it drives home to me how important these issues are. As you see children grow up, you see them also being confronted with these decisions. You see them having conversations with um, other members, you know, their friends, and, and so on. And you think about the work that we've done, you know, on the life issue for so many years, for decades, and you get a little bit closer, you see some improvements. Um, and so I feel very blessed to do the work in that people over the years, as they've gotten to know me and my family and, and the 12 members of our team, our team has been growing, uh, they see that, you know, this is a part of, of what we do professionally, but it's also issues that we care about personally. And so we're you know, we know what it means to run a family. We know how important it is. And so that's what we try to do every day is to try to protect these values so people can focus on what they do best, take care of their families, preserve life, um, go to church and, and um, you know, continue to have that um, ability, that freedom um, to have that strength in their life and that uh, 
those issues. And so we'll continue to do that at, at Texas Values. And if people see value in the work that we do, focus primarily on the state of Texas, we hope they'll consider a tax-deductible donation. All right, Jonathan, I hope they do as well. Again, txvalues.org is the website. This has been the interview of the week here on KTH 910 AM. Our guest is Jonathan Sines. Thank you to Diane Xavier. My name is Dave Palmer. If you have ideas for future programs, I'd love to hear from you. Just email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Jonathan, thanks. Great talking to you as always. God bless you, Dave. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. The Guadalupe Radio Network welcomes the family practice of Drs. Rafino Pereira and Basilico as a new sponsor. Drs. Rafino Pereira and Basilico practice according to the teachings of the Catholic faith and see patients Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. till 4.30 p.m. They're located in North Dallas on Preston Road between the George Bush Turnpike and Frankfurt Road. Both doctors are bilingual, Spanish and English. They specialize treating the whole family in all areas of medicine and invite you to call 972-267-6653, 972-267-6653. The Guadalupe Radio Network appreciates the support of Vetro Glass Blowing Studio and Gallery located on historic Main Street in Grapevine for their support of local Catholic radio on KTH 910 AM. They offer crafted glass art ranging from handmade sculptures to small glass art gifts. They're currently open for curbside glass service Tuesday through Saturdays from 10 AM to 5 PM. They can be reached by calling 817-251-1668 and online at grapevineglassblowers.com. Are you a Catholic man looking to make a difference in your Catholic faith or seeking a brotherhood that upholds Catholic teaching and values? Join the Knights of Columbus today. You can join online at knights.net. That's K-N-I-G-H-T-S dot net. By joining online, you'll have immediate access to many things, like the Knights of Columbus highly rated insurance program. Your Catholic family can be protected with life insurance, annuities, long-term care, and disability insurance products by a Catholic company. Experience the Catholic difference and join the Knights of Columbus online today. Knights.net. Let's face it, how do most kids learn today? Well, through videos, songs, games, and apps. So, what is the best way to help them learn about their faith? Join the ever-lovable Brother Francis and his friends as they journey through the Catholic faith in Adventure Catechism. To learn more or to get your very own copy of Adventure Catechism with Brother Francis, visit BrotherFrancisStore.com. Again, that's BrotherFrancisStore.com.
Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 